Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. We chose Jonah today because our kids have been studying characters of the Bible, and this is one they didn't cover this, this summer. So we thought, what better way to engage all of us and, and use a story that's important and that they haven't heard so it's kind of like a continuation of their Sunday morning just like ours. But here's the thing. Here's the question that each of us has to think about this morning. Especially in light of this story. Do you believe God? Very important. And notice, I didn't ask you if you believe in God. Whether you're 7 or 77. The question's still the same. Do you believe God? Because there's a big difference. Thank you. Atta boy. There's a big difference. And the story of Jonah helps us see this. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Jonah, which is near the end of the Old Testament, or go to the YouVersion Bible app and click on the live pages, or we have notes in the bulletin that you can grab and follow along, and we have the scriptures in there. Here's how Jonah begins, as we've kind of already seen. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. In other words, they're bad. Now, Jonah prophesied this somewhere between 800 and 750 B.C. Think about it. That's 2,750 years ago to 2,800 years ago. To the northern, he was lived in the northern kingdom of Israel. Our passage tells us Jonah received this message from God to go to Nineveh and to announce God's judgment because they were wicked. Now, the site of Nineveh, we, we've got a map up here to show you, just kind of get your bearings. This is modern day Middle East, and right here is Iraq, which has been in the news a lot lately Iraq, Syria, and right up here is Nineveh. Nineveh is actually located within the bounds of the city of Mosul, which is today, or was a few months ago, a city of about two million. Unfortunately, many of you know, there has been a lot of terrorist stuff going on, and this area has been taken over by what's called the Islamic State. And um, before that all happened, there were 60 or 70,000 Christians living in Mosul. Uh, going all the way back, many believe uh, their, 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 their ancestry could be traced almost to Jonah. There is, in fact, a, there has been a tomb called the Tomb of Jonah in Mosul. It has been destroyed over the last two weeks as this has happened. And from what we are told, there are virtually no Christians left in Mosul. They have been either, well, the, the, the fortunate ones have gotten out. So it's a very bad place today much as it was almost 3,000 years ago. In the time of Jonah, it was a city of about 100,000 or so, served as the capital of the Assyrian Empire, which was the big power at that point in the Middle East. So Jonah is not really pleased to go to this place because Syria was much stronger than Israel, his country. So imagine you're going to an enemy who is much bigger than you, whether it's a country or it's a person much bigger than you, much stronger than you, and telling them that God judges them to be wicked, and because of that, some bad things are coming. What would you do? 
Think about it. Kids, what would you do? Well, here's what Jonah did. Verse 3, Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now again, here's a map. And here's Nineveh way over here. Here's Israel right in here. Jerusalem, Joppa. And here all the way across over here is Tarshish in modern day Spain. This is not a, a short journey. This is not just trying to get a little ways away. This is over a thousand miles. This is like 500 miles. So you can imagine, this guy is trying to go as far away as people in that day and time knew to go. Jonah was trying to get away from God. Why do you think Jonah ran? Really important question. And there are a couple of obvious answers. The presence of fear, the lack of faith. The first one, the presence of fear, was about what could happen to him. Did Jonah have the courage to give that kind of message to his enemy, to the people who hated him? And quite honestly, he didn't have much love for them either. I mean, it means entering into the center of the stronghold of your enemy and telling them they're in trouble with your God. Not their God, your God. And your God as far as Assyria knows, is the God of a pretty small little country a long way away. Imagine what, what they might say to you if you're Jonah. And, 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 but I want to tell you, this wasn't simply a problem in the time of Jonah. It's our problem too. How often do those of us who consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus, to be Christians, realize we're afraid of what others will think about us because we are Christians. It's a very real issue right now in Mosul, but it's also a very real issue in the Bay Area. Are we afraid of what they'll say or how they'll treat us if we feel like we need to obey God in certain things that they would disagree with? Are we afraid to tell them God's truth in, in kind and loving ways, and usually through a relationship we build up with them over time, but here's the thing, a lot of folks value the opinions of other people, of friends, of neighbors, more than they value God's. They believe the consequences will be worse if they go against those around them than if they stand up for God. Now, I'm not saying we consciously think that, but we have this sense within us that that maybe this is not such a good idea because there are going to be consequences. You know, not long after the death of Jesus and his resurrection, the apostles found themselves thrown into jail by the very same people who had Jesus killed. And so it would be very natural for them to be afraid. It would be very natural for them when they were told by the Pharisees to say, don't do this anymore. It would have been very natural for them to say, okay, okay, we get the message. We're going to stop. But the Bible tells us Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. Man, that is a powerful statement. They valued obeying God more 
than what the Pharisees, or anybody else for that matter, could do to them. Think about it. What, what would your response be if you were given a choice between obeying what people said or God? And, and it really isn't a theoretical question because every day, whether you're this tall or this tall, no matter how old you are, every day, you and I face situations that confront us with the very same choice. Do I cave in or do I obey God? Sometimes we call it peer pressure. But it's really a form of persecution against our beliefs or faith, which can lead, quite honestly, to us experiencing some degree of fear. And we have to decide if we'd rather please man or please God. And I want to tell you, in 21st century America... It is getting harder and harder to live in a way that is pleasing to God that is, does not, in fact, come in direct conflict with a lot, what a lot of other people around us think and believe. The second reason Jonah may have run, which is related to the first, was because he lacked faith. He lacked the faith to believe that God could really do what he said he was going to do. I, I mean... Is it possible he didn't have enough faith in God to believe God could really bring judgment against this huge empire? I mean, that would take a lot of faith because he knew his country could not defeat that country. He knew there were more of them than him. He knew that they were ruthless people. He knew that they were harsh people. He knew that they were people who were, who were known for being cruel. And so if that were the case, why would he put himself at risk? And once again, Jonah's problem is often a problem a lot of us face. Do we believe? Guys, this is really important. Do we believe God can do what he says he can do and what he will do? Do we believe his promises? Do we believe them enough to obey them in how we live our lives? Not just coming to church on Sunday, but in the workplace, with our friends, at school, in our homes, I mean, this is kind of rubber meets the road stuff. Is it possible that all too often we trust our own instincts? We trust our own experiences? We trust our own feelings or thoughts more than we trust God? And if so, then, then think about this. If I trust those more, then do I really believe God is all-knowing and all-powerful? If I trust those things more than I trust God, do I, do I really believe that God can, can do everything he says he can do and is who he says he is? Can I imagine that there's a way for him to get me through a situation even when I can't see it? I mean, interesting part of the issue here is I can only imagine the possible solutions I can imagine. I mean, think about it. You can only imagine what you can imagine. And I may not be willing to consider that God can imagine and God can do things I can't imagine. He can provide solutions I can't even think of. He can say a, see a way through my struggles that I haven't even considered. And if that's the case, if I can't do that, then I may not be willing 
to consider or believe that God could have those other solutions that I can't even begin to imagine. If I can't imagine how God's going to work, or I don't like the way I think God's going to work, I may not be willing to trust God enough to let him work. I want to tell you, it's easy for us, no matter what age we are, to put God in a box, to act as if there's only one way he could do this, and it's the way I can imagine. And that, in effect, though, we probably wouldn't say it that way, but if I don't believe God, if I don't believe he can do what he says he can do, if I don't trust him enough, then, in a sense, I'm living my life as a practical atheist. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that in a negative tone like atheists are bad people. There may be some of you in here that are still struggling and still trying to figure this out. That's great. But for those of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus, and yet we don't, actions speak louder than words. What do we really believe? It shows up in how we live it. So, I may choose to not act in line with what I've been told or read that God desires for me, perhaps because I'm afraid of how it's going to play out based on trusting God, or maybe I just don't have the faith that God could do what it would take to get me through it, the, the presence of fear or the lack of faith. And, and those would appear to be two very strong possibilities at this point with what we know about the story of why Jonah chose to run from where God was calling him to go. So, going on with the story, Jonah runs. We saw that on the video. Gets on a ship, sails in the opposite direction. Ship encounters a bad storm. Looks like there's no hope. And yet the, the crew and Jonah discern that the storm is of God's doing. The answer is to throw Jonah overboard. As soon as he does, the storm stops. Jonah's swallowed by the big fish. By the way, adults, as they pointed out, the Bible does not say a whale. It simply says a big fish. So we don't, we'll leave that in God's hands. Anyway, swallowed by fig, big fish, there for three days until God has him spit him out on dry land, probably pretty close to where he began. So then we jump to Jonah chapter three, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, kind of like rewind. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. I mean, Jonah's figured out he's not going to escape what God is calling him to do. And, and that's a good question for us. Can we run from God? Can we run from God? Verse 4, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh's going to be destroyed. Boy, don't you know that makes you a popular person. I mean, how would you like to, to walk into well, to Baybrook Mall this, this afternoon? And shout out, hey, 40 days, God's going to destroy. You think people would come up and shake your hand? Do you think they would come up to you at all? We can imagine. Here's Jonah. He's not saying that in a country where there's free speech. He's saying it in a place where there's some pretty mean, cruel people. And he is wondering if they're going to kill him simply for being an enemy or if they're going to kill him because of his message. Because the message was, from all outward appearances, absurd since Assyria was the great power. And yet it was God's message. 
And you and I need to know that when it is God's message, it changes everything. Because it says in verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. In fact, listen to how far the people of Nineveh and their leaders went. Verse 6, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap. Now, how many in here know what burlap is? Okay, kids, if you don't, imagine rough sandpaper all over your body. That's your clothes, except it's got long strings on it that are sticky even more. It's very uncomfortable. And yet, in biblical times, it was a way of showing sorrow and repentance. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Incredible. That is incredible. I mean, if you don't know the story, you look at that and you say, how could that happen? Who could see that coming? People who heard this story for the first time, they, they did not have a clue that that was the way it was going to go. And this is probably not how we imagine the story could possibly go. I mean, how often does a guy give a message and everyone repents? That not happened to me. So far, most of you haven't. No. But here's the thing, it overlooks a very powerful reality. You and I never know where and how God is working. We think we do because we, we imagine how we might do things. We think we do because what we see around us. We think we have it all figured out. And that whatever we've seen is how it's going to continue to be. But here's the thing you and I have to keep imagining and understanding is that God has solutions that you and I haven't even imagined yet. God has ways through situations, no matter what situation you may be in, that you may never conceive of on your own, that you may never come to you, may never work itself out. In Isaiah, the Lord said, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now maybe, maybe that right there is enough for some of you this morning to give you some hope that whatever situation you're facing right now, and some of you are, and you may not see a way through it, and you may be tempted to do some things that are harmful to yourself or to others. You may be tempted to go in ways that are unhealthy. Here's, here is the promise, is that God has solutions we cannot imagine. There's so much more that God can do, much less wants to do, if we just open ourselves up to him and seek him and trust him. Proverbs 5, 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And the good news is that when the people of Nineveh turned to God and sought him. God responded to their acts of repentance and sorrow. 
Jonah 3, verse 10. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. I want to tell you, this, this was good news for Nineveh. But we ought to also see it as good news for us. Because we, it means that while we cannot anticipate how and why and where God will act, but when we act on his behalf, when we trust him, we can affect how he acts. Let that sink in for a second. God responds to how we act. Things can change. Different solutions can appear. God can work. And I'll be the first to confess to you, sometimes... I'm only imagining one way God can work, or I'm figuring this is the only way it's going to happen. And the solution God has may not be the solution I would choose or the solution I would see through it. But I have discovered more often than not that the solution he has when I've really trusted him has in fact been an incredible solution. Maybe not an easy solution. Maybe not what I like in the short term. Let's be honest. God can do Miracles. There is no limit to the solutions God has to offer. Certainly not limited by what you or I can think or imagine. So if we act in faith, God just might surprise us as well. Now, that would seem to be the end of the story. But it turns out, we find out there is a third possibility for why Jonah actually ran from God, and in fact, it is the reason he did. Because when we jump to chapter 4 in the very first two verses, it says that after God has done all of this, after he's responded to the people of Nineveh's repentance, it said this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Remember what David told you a few minutes ago? God loves you. And there is no limit to what that could mean to your life. But the third and the actual reason Jonah ran was because Jonah wanted the people of Nineveh destroyed. In other words, God did not give him the solution he wanted. In fact, Jonah believed in God a lot more than we knew because he, he understood God was God. God is all-powerful. God is good. And he knew it was very possible because of his own problems with the people of Nineveh, it was possible that he would be unhappy what God might do. Because he wasn't looking at the situation from the, from the perspective of God, but from his anger toward the Assyrian people. Are there some people you're angry with right now? Are there some people that have hurt you? Are there some things that have gone on that were unfair to you? Maybe from your childhood, maybe in your childhood, maybe in your workplace. 
And quite honestly, you don't know if you want God to do what God would do if you prayed for it. You're not sure maybe that you really do want God's will to be done. We have to recognize that sometimes we may run from God because in our own anger and self-centeredness, we don't want God's way to happen. If you, if you don't look at your life honestly, you may not be willing to admit that. But I will confess, that's certainly been the case for me a few times. I've been mad at somebody. I've been hurt. And, and I don't feel like praying to, for God to help me forgive them. I'd rather, I'd rather sit in my hurt. I'd rather, I'd rather be angry and stew on it for a while. Maybe you have. But how can that ultimately be good for me, for any of us? See, the story of Jonah tells us that, that God always wants what is best for people even when you and I don't see it, even when it's not, in fact, even what we want. And so for at least three reasons that we've seen, too often we fail to trust and obey God. We fail to follow where he's leading us, and we miss out on a lot of his miracles and his grace to transform our lives and the lives of others. It's why sometimes, adults, we really need to pay attention to our kids. In Matthew 18, it tells us Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility is not something that wears well on many 21st century Americans. And yet there is something precious and powerful about the faith of a child who does not look for reasons not to believe, but openly chooses to trust. Sadly, sometimes as adults, there are people who take advantage of that. And sadly, children grow up and learn that they can't trust everybody, and they can't find God's way in everything they do because they're people who lie, they're people who mislead. But Jesus tells us it is that kind of faith that opens the doors of heaven and helps us experience all the best that God has to offer. So remember my question that I asked you in the beginning, do you believe God? How would you answer that? I want to challenge you on the back of this sheet that that question is there. You don't have to show it to anybody. You don't have to put it where anybody else can see it. But sometimes it helps to write down what we're thinking. Put it in black and white. I would encourage you sometime today, answer that question for yourself. Do I believe God? Do I really believe? Believing to the point of acting on it is really the key to what it means to follow Jesus. To experience God's best. Some of you were with us last week the movie Frozen is at the conclusion of our At the Movies series. And I'll just remind you again that the theme there was that an act of true love, not a thought, but an act of true love, caused the frozen heart. 
Some of you have heard the story of Tyler, a five-year-old little boy found at the bottom of a swimming pool just a few days ago on July 26th. He was taken to UTMB Galveston, unresponsive. Tyler's dad is the cousin of a member of our Gateway family, Amy Thack. Amy serves in our elementary area every week, and she contacted Terry Kent, who leads that ministry in our church, uh, and uh, on that Sunday morning, the day after it happened, she asked for prayer for Tyler. She shared, Terry then shared with the elementary children, and Amy did, what had happened, and asked them to join her in praying for Tyler. And so they began, during the second service, they actually began to make these crosses. This was happening on that morning, the day after this all occurred. They're making crosses with messages of hope for Tyler and his family to be delivered to him in the ICU. Then Terry got a prayer quilt from our incredible prayer quilt ministry and invited the kids to pray. And if you, if you know anything about our prayer quilt ministry, there are, there are strings that can be tied as knots. And, and they said that so many kids prayed over it that these little strings were knotted all the way to the end. That our kids were praying like crazy. And then they prayed as a group over that quilt. Terry shared with those of us on staff this week what a beautiful sight it was to watch our kids going to our Heavenly Father in prayer on Sunday morning on behalf of little Tyler. All this was going on... Wrapping up about 11.45, church was over. Terry gave the quilt to Amy to take to the the family, to Tyler's family. And and a little while later, minutes later, Amy texted Terry saying, praise God, they've taken him off the ventilator and he began to breathe on his own. Yeah. Yeah. Sunday morning, on Wednesday, Tyler went home from the hospital. I mean, that is just incredible. And Terry ended the story saying, God is so good. And and she's right. And yet, how faithful our kids were to believe, to trust, to pray. I want to tell you, kids, we're proud of you and thank you. The Bible says a little child shall lead them and we appreciate you leading us. Because sometimes we as adults get jaded and we get, we get locked in and we don't always see and understand what God could do. We are limited so much by, by our own thoughts and, and the ways we think things can be solved. And you again remind us that with God all things are possible and that we do not, that's right, that we do not respond to the threats of men but to the commands of God. That is first and foremost in our lives. We don't just hear believe in God, we believe God. You say that with me, I believe God. If that's true for you, say that. I believe God. Say it again. I, hey, do you mean it? If you do, let's do it one more time. and Say it like you mean it. Kids, help us say this. I believe God. Yeah. Our prayer team, 
be right down here. If that's a struggle for you. They'd love to talk with you, pray with you about how to maybe overcome fears in your life, how to grow some f- your faith. And don't forget, next Sunday we have lined up for you and another incredible family service. I, I, I'm not gonna give too much away, but let me tell you, it'll probably be unlike anything you've ever experienced. So you don't wanna miss it. Baptisms, fantastic family fun night. But let me, let me pray for us, because that, because God does work. Heavenly Father, I pray that I and every one of us in here would believe you. Father, your, your word tells us that even the demons believe in you. That's not saying much. We want to believe you. We want to have the faith of our children who believed and prayed. You did an incredible work. And we, we confess, we, we know that we can't understand everything that you do. You have solutions that we haven't even imagined and not everything goes the way we think it should. But that doesn't mean we should not seek you first and call upon your name and trust you and believe that whatever the circumstances and whatever the outcome, if we have laid it in your hands, in the scope of eternity, it will be best. So Father, give us that faith Help us to believe. Help us to live that way. Not just in words on Sunday morning, but in life on Monday afternoon and Wednesday during the day and Friday in rush hour traffic and in a couple of weeks in our classrooms in school. Help us to have faith to believe. And thank you for our children who so often lead us. Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. Believe. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.